Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Four Checking TV. I'm your host, Doug Glackey. Alongside me are my co-hosts, Scotty Porterfield and Peyton Trollinger. And tonight we are joined by a special guest, Hunter Hodes of Locked On Penguins. Hunter, how are we doing, buddy? What's up, man? You know, I just got off work a few minutes ago. My PC is calling my name probably after this because this thing is a monstrous rig and I was probably playing on it too much last night. But um, yeah, excited to talk Penguins with you. Also, I also have to record my episode after this. So it's kind of like a little home and home kind of thing. So which I love. There you go. Did you start running Halo on it yet? Not yet. I need to download it. You have to. You have to. Um, like I told you last night, I'm ready to just run and grab, like drop whatever it is on a gaming PC just to play Halo because I'm not buying an Xbox. So, yeah, this thing runs any game to I, I probably got, I was playing a bunch of competitive, well, I was playing a little Fortnite with a couple of friends last night. I got 300 frames. So that thing is, there you go. It's beautiful. <laughs> That's good stuff. All right, guys. So, didn't record last week, but it gave us an opportunity to, you know, just like watch some hockey, do whatever we got to do. And over the past week, I would like to confirm the Pittsburgh Penguins are not dead. Um, And neither is Tristan Jari for that matter. Um, They played that, that Canada trip was unbelievable. And I'm sure we'll touch deeper into this, but the last 15 minutes of the Winnipeg game last night was something I have not seen them do probably since the 17 cup run. Um, they just tightened everything up, played really well. You know, Heinen got a, uh, a nice little uh, dirty area goal there. Um, you know, almost Chris Kunitz esque, if you will. And, they just put on an absolute clinic in terms of holding a one goal lead late in the game. Um, you know, Hunter, we'll start with you, man. What do you, what do you think's changed since really since Sid came back? Because, you know, there was a time where everybody thought, okay, this team may not have it this year. And now we're back yeah. and we're rolling. Yeah. You know, everyone's back in, you know, their usual roles. I mean, I know Gino's not there just yet, but for the most part, everyone's back playing their, their actual roles. You know, they actually had the courage to scratch Brian Boyle. I didn't know if Sullivan was going to do that because, you know, he's been more lenient with some veteran players, but it made a lot of sense, right. Just because he's basically a PK specialist at this point in his career, decent defensively, but he's not going to give you an offensive punch. That's why Dominic Simone came in, but you know, they've really just gotten back to the basics with how they were playing at the early por- portions of the season when Sid was out and it's their commitment to team defense. These, those three games, especially the one against Toronto as well. A lot of times you'll see the Penguins kind of sit back. Um, they turtle, they let the opposition get a lot of shots on goal. They let them get to the high danger areas. And then, you know, especially earlier this year, they're giving up leads with three minutes left. Heck, they let Minnesota score two six on five goals with two minutes left. Ever since then, I think they really tightened it up. I think on the broadcast, Bob Airy was talking about how Mike Sullivan was chewing into them in practice about that. Well, I don't think they've allowed a six on five or late period goal since then. And they've been able to defend hard and um, keep pushing play when they take a lead. I think that's one of the biggest things I've noticed overall is that 
when they take a lead into the third period or when they score, we, we, when they score that goal last night with Danton Heinen, they're continuing to push for the kill. You know, other Penguins teams, again, they would sit back, not play team defense, but, you know, they suffocated the neutral zone. They got back to that one, two, two neutral zone trap that they love to run. And outside of that Kyle Connor breakaway that he kind of flubbed, I don't think Winnipeg had a, a decent scoring chance the rest of that period. Yeah, I agree, you know, and something minor that I want to add real quick is the last two games of this road trip, Brian Dumlin looked like himself um, for the most part, you know, like there really wasn't a lot concerning with him. I think, you know, and Hunter, I think you and I have talked about this. The Toronto game was probably his best game of the year. Um, And if they're able to get him back to some like some form of normalcy for what Brian Dumoulin does and what he brings to the table, that's only going to make their chances of writing this ship that much better. Um, you know, and honestly, man, like not enough can be said about Tristan Jari. Um, I, I said it to Peyton last night. I said like, I had kind of like a, a holy, I had like a holy crap moment where, I looked and I didn't know that Tristan Jari had a 930 save percentage to start the year. Like that's for him, that's pretty, pretty damn good. You know, like that's that's six, good stuff. Six goals saved above expected, top 10 and on per money puck, by the way, too. That's that's huge, man. Like that's that's massive. Um, not enough can be said about him, you know. Run, honestly, I'm to a point now where I trust him a lot. You can run with him, but um you know, something to talk about a little later is probably, you know, maybe getting him some help, maybe get him a more reliable backup to prote- prevent potential burnout down the stretch, you know, because the last thing we want is for him to pull like a Frederick Anderson or like a early 2010s Marc-Andre Fleury where he's playing like 55, 60 games a year and then he goes into the month of April and he's just kind of dead. Isn't it crazy to think like – maybe like not even three months or two or three months ago, we were talking about, you know, what, what we could get in a trade for Tristan Jarrett. (laughs) Like, isn't it crazy how, how fast things have changed. He went from being, you know, a guy that was almost run out of town to now easily being the best player on your team. Cause that's honestly what he's become. You know, he's the pressure was all on him this year. He, He had it all laid out in front of him. He knew what he had to do and he is more than roast the occasion. Like you said, you got the 930 save percentage. He's absolutely dominated this year. And it's great to see. You know, we, we saw what he was capable of doing back in 2019, back in uh, 2019, whenever he went on that little stretch. He's been absolute money this year. Like you said, 930 save percentage, a little over two goals against average. This is what you need. You need a guy like that in the playoffs. And hopefully he continues that trend because so far this season, he's done wonders for the Penguins. And like you said now, you know, you might want to look into that backup option. Because as if Tristan Jari has been your best player on your team, Casey DeSmith's been your worst. And I think that's something that the Penguins need to look into if they really want to make that push. You know, maybe you go out and get, you know, a reliable backup. Don't know where you're going to find that at right now. I'm sure there will be some teams that will be shopping that around uh, sooner rather than later. But, uh, you know, obviously the Pens will cross that bridge when they get there. But, yeah, not enough can be said about Tristan Jari and how well he's been playing. And also, too, in our last episode, I was cooking Jake Gensel for how poor he's been playing man can't stop filling the net now it's great I love it so finally he went back to his old form and now he's starting to play like the all-star that he's capable of being so 
I'm glad that he's finally turning it on now too. It seems like all the pieces are starting to come together here. So the key now is for the Penguins just being consistent with it. Yeah, and I, I want to add something real quick. Jake needs to stop running goalies. He needs to stop doing yeah. the Chris Kreider thing, stop running the goalies. He's, he, like, he literally is acting like Chris Kreider lately, and it's just like yeah. he's going to pull a someone, – someone's going to like get mad at, or a fan base is just like Carey Price, like the Montreal Canadiens fan base with Carey Price, and it's not going to end well. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's – Happen low-key. Like he's going to run like – He's going to run like Samsonov or Vanacek or someone like that, and Tom Wilson's going to absolutely just super on the ice again. It's going to be like the Panarin situation all over again. I could totally see that happening. So pump the brakes, Jake, please, for your own Yeah, safety. just do it, do it for your own safety and do it for my own sanity. I don't want to have – I want to have to have like a stroke because you're running goalies, dude. <laughs> Peyton, go ahead. So kind of what I was going to say about the whole Sidney Crosby returning back, it's like obviously not everyone's back healthy, but it's almost a sense of like normality again. Like they feel better whenever Crosby's actually in the locker room, he's getting dressed. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, Crosby obviously has the confidence in Tristan Jari, but I think just seeing, I think Jari seeing Crosby out on the ice is actually giving him more confidence. I mean, we saw – you know, Jari's playing at the top of the crease. You know, he's really confident in his play. He goes for it. He makes the save quite easily. So, you know, just it's really just about the captain. And like I said, Crosby coming back is huge for the Pens. Now we just got to wait on Malkin and the rest of them to get healthy. But, no. I'm telling you, the moment that the big guy comes back, man, I'm – I'm going to be a very happy camper because, you know, and Hunter, I, I mean, you can interject on this. I think I've been seeing more of he's going to be back before Christmas type deal. Is that true? The organization, I mean, I've talked to a couple reporters and they seem to think that that may be the case. Um, he's been skating a lot of the, the next step is for him to join the team in any practice capacity, which that should be coming. If he wants to return before Christmas, that should be like in, in the next week or something, I would have to right. think. I mean, they have Vancouver tomorrow. They go to Long Island to the Islanders new arena. What is the UBS? What arena? I don't even know what it's called. Mm-hmm. And then they have Montreal. And then I believe they go on that monstrous uh, Canadian road, a Western Canadian road trip. And I think they play Seattle in there. They play Washington at the end. I believe it's like a five-game road trip. So I would have to think that Gino goes on that trip. If I'm, I'm just spitballing, but I would have to think so. Yeah, like, like probably not even to play, but probably just to go on that road trip, just to, like, be around the guys again and, like, start taking contact and things of that nature. But let's, let's talk about this. Um, the probably the most underrated player on their roster this year, probably their best forward, um, Evan Rodriguez. Um, he has been an absolute monster to start the year. Um, I feel like we always find one of these guys every single year. You know, last year it was Freddie Gaudrell, this year it's Evan Rodriguez, and I think we're to a point now where it's not entirely insane to say that Evan Rodriguez should stay in a top six winger role whenever, even whenever Malkin comes back. Um, I think, 
having Rodriguez's defensive response, defensive abilities and his playmaking prowess on a line with Malkin and Kasperi Kapanen could be, could have potential to make a deadly line, um, a deadly second line. And, you know, given Zucker and Jeff Carter, those more favorable matchups, man, like that might just be what you need to get the whole thing cooking. You know, that might be the last, you know, the last spice that needs to go into this gumbo of making this team a cup contender. Yeah. Rodriguez has been disgusting this year. I saw there was a shift, I think in the third period where he was knifing through the whole Winnipeg jets defense or something. I was like, is that Evgeny Malkin out there or something like that? Because I was just really confused watching him play. Also, I will say this, Doug, I was reading Josh Joey's 10 post-game uh, uh, thoughts. He ha- he finally has the thought of putting Danton Heinen in the top six on Evgeny Malkin's line when he comes back. So there, there's your idea coming to potential for fruition um, right there with uh, – and he put Kappen in right there as well. So um, I think that you've been – we've been talking about that a lot. But, yeah, as again, as for Rodriguez, he really has – been awesome this year. I remember when so many people kind of questioned that signing during the offseason just because he was kind of okay last year. It didn't really matter if he was going to be in the lineup or Zahorn or Goudreau, but um, he's worked out better than Freddie, I think, this year. You know, I think they made the right choice in signing Rodriguez and letting Freddie walk because he got like a two-year deal. I just don't think Ron wanted to do that. But in terms of bottom six production, I mean, what more could you want? If he's one of their best players and expected goals, shot attempts, chances for um, any line that he touches, uh, he strikes gold. So he's just been awesome. Yeah, definitely. And I like the idea of Heinen playing up there too. You know, um, that's something I've wanted for a little bit now, but um, I mean, guys, they have, they have options. They, they have good options whenever, uh, they come back because, you know, your first and your fourth lines are going to be concrete. I wouldn't expect those to be broken up unless it's like a nuclear scenario. And, you know, that second and third line, like you can experiment with a lot of stuff. I mean, hell, they could put, you know, not saying this is a great idea, but they could put Evan Rodriguez at the third line center spot and let Jeff Carter play some wing, you know, somewhere in that top nine. Um, you know, but Man, I just I, – I can't wait for Malkin to get back because I really think that this team's going to take off once he gets back. And, you know, I mean, this this knee injury, you know, I feel like it's the same thing with uh, Sid dealing with his wrist. Like, I feel like it's been holding Gino back for a little bit now. And, you know, maybe him with this new knee, he'll be able to just take flight and just be – his old self for the last couple of years of his career, you know, that like, that would be ideal. What do you guys think? All right. Um, moving on, <laughs> moving on. We're going to talk about the, uh, the penguins potentially being sold um, to the Fenway sports group. Um, this is a report that came out last week. Um, I think it's in the final, final details. And, you know, I think this is probably the best case scenario for the Penguins. Um, I know a lot of people were panicking and freaking out whenever it first came to be, but, you know, keeping Mario there in some capacity um, is massive. Um, And, you know, we're talking about a Fenway sports group that is, 
yeah, I mean, I mean, guys, they did a fantastic job with the Red Sox, you know, and Liverpool is one of the better teams in European soccer. And, um, you know, there's also a rumor that maybe not yet, but at some point the, um, the Fenway sports group may end up um, merging with or buying out uh, Maple Leaf sports entertainment. So add, add those four more greatly ran or those three more incredibly run organizations to the mix. And you're really cooking with gas there. Yeah. I mean, some people were just like worried that the team was going to be moved or something. I'm like, they have a lease until 2040 at PPG paints arena. They're not, they have one of the best fan bases in hockey. You know, I will always say if anyone tries to tell any of you, and this goes for the listeners as well, that Penguins almost moved due to a lack of fan support. You have my moral obligation to punch them in the face because that's just not even true. It was all Howard Baldwin being a cheap little idiot. Um, there's nothing they're not going to move they're going to keep them there forever um one thing i've read about this ownership group and i've been told this by a couple people who are fans of the teams that they own especially a couple liverpool fans they're very invested in analytics i think both teams have very big analytic staffs and that's sometimes how they make their decisions um look at the mookie bet situation with the red Sox. they i think had a certain price for him they traded him. He got even more than, you know, what he was asking for in Boston. He went to LA, but you know, the Red Sox did pretty fine with that trade, considering that they're still a really good team, but I still think this is fine. This is where I think you're going to see a lot of sports teams go to. It's these big ownership conglomerates that are just going to gobble up teams that are family owned. I was listening to the 32 thoughts podcast, and this is the first one in Pittsburgh. Um, that's not going to be like a family owned team anymore. You know, just I know the Pirates are owned by Bob Nutting. If you want to say call him a family owner, even though all that stuff that goes on with the Pirates, then okay. But you know, the Steelers are owned by the Rooney family. They've been owned by the Penguins, have been owned by Mario and Ron Burkle for the last 20 years. <clears throat> it's not been like a conglomerate. And I, again, I really think you're going to start to see these just a lot more groups just buy NHL teams. I think they may try to dive into the NBA. And I think the, the number that's been thrown around out there is 900 million for what the team is going to sell for. So yeah. that's, yeah. we'll see. The thing that I'm wondering about is obviously, like we said, we, they kept around Mario for whatever reason, how much of an influence now does, does ownership have on the moves that are made by Ron Hextall and company? That's the biggest thing I'm wondering because you know, we talked about in the past about how, you know, Jim Rutherford has had shopped, had tried to shop around either of Denny Malkin or Chris Latane, and Mario stepped in and said, no, you're not getting rid of these guys. So now that Mario isn't exactly, you know, head honcho anymore, what does that, what does that mean for the Penguins? Like if, if, you know, Ron Hextall ever wanted to, ever, let's just, you know, I'm just throwing out hypotheticals here, obviously, but let's say Ron Hextall ever wanted to look into moving, uh, or not not bringing back a Chris Latane or an Evgeny Malkin, would owners would the ownership group you know step in and say something, or would they just let it, or would they just let let him manage it? You know, that's the thing that I've always that's the thing that I've been wondering about because that was always the knock on. Uh, I think with Mario was like you know like I've said in, in past episodes I've stressed it so much how like Mario is all about the legacies you know he's all about guys 
starting in Pittsburgh and finishing there. And I think that was, you know, you know, one of the main reasons why guys like Latane and, and uh, Malkin have stuck around as long as they have. So, you know, what do you, do we think that like this ownership group is going to kind of be the same way or is it just going to be like, okay, do what you want to do with when it comes to, you know, the management of the players. Hunter, go ahead. I think this is a you question. I mean, it's, it's tough because I feel like Mario's still going to be around on the hockey side. He's not going away fully. He's mainly just going to be sipping a glass of wine every night from his house, wherever he lives in Pittsburgh. But um, I still think he'll have enough authority where he can go to um, <clears throat> the main owner of the Fenway Sports Group or just the ownership group as a whole and say, hey, you know, I'm not going to, I don't want to make this, I don't want you all to make the same mistake I did way back when with, or what the team made way back when with Yager leaving, because that's what, that was, the, that would be like a, a comparison. What's the word I'm looking for here? It's just that kind of magnitude of a move. I think if one of those two, especially Evgeny Malkin does not come back after the season, um, all these players are going to be up in the rafters whenever they retire. But I still think Mario will have that authority. I know, Anyway, sports group, they do go based off um, analytics a lot with some of their decisions or most of them. But with how especially Crystal Tang has played this year, um, you can they can look at whatever numbers they want. I'm sure they would sign him to a, a lower AAV. I mean, he's not going to get an eight or nine per year. But um, and, you know, we'll see how Malkin plays when he comes back. I'm sure he'll be fine. But again, overall, I still think he'll have that kind of authority you know, where he can be like, you know, I've watched these guys for over two, almost two decades now. I want them to finish their careers here. And I, I hope you all do as well. And, you know, he just, he's always believed in these three coming in together and then walking out together. So I think that's, that's, I, I mean, I'm hoping he'll be able to talk to the ownership group about that. Yeah. And I think, you know, this is just my opinion, but if it comes down to it, I, I could totally see Sid storming into an office like LeBron James and just doing whatever the hell needs to be done. But I'm not really worried about like these extensions right now because like, you know, I think Latang, I think, you know, you get him like a five and a half to a six and then maybe Gino a six to six and a half million dollar cap cap hit on a deal. And, you know, not only does that keep your guys there, that also gives you a little bit of money to play around with, you know, um, makes it interesting. Maybe you're able to extend to Brian Ross at that point, you know, who knows? Um, but beyond that, man, um, I'm very excited about the analytical side of it. Um, I think that, yeah, you know, using the analytics, using analytics for like potential hires or potential hockey offs, um, positions are way better. And this is no knock on Mario, but like it's way better than like Mario just hiring people he knows, you know, because like, yeah, it, it's worked out. It got them several Stanley Cups, but it's also put the teams in small states of turmoil for um, small periods of time, you know, like let's be honest, this team hasn't been the same since probably about 2018. And similar to how, you know, probably from like 2013 to 2015, um, when they were under Ray Shiro, they were 
in exceptionally mediocre in terms of on ice performance and playoff performance. So, you know, I'm excited for them to potentially bring in some analytics guys and use that to their advantage to um, get, you know, try and keep the team as competitive as possible for um, a long, long time to come. You know, that's how I feel about it. But um, moving for, moving forward, I think it would be ideal if we start talking about maybe a potential backup goalie replacement. Um, you know, the two teams I'm looking at right now for a guy would be Dallas or Vancouver, you know, because you look at Dallas, they have Yaroslav Halak. I think that makes a whole hell of a lot of sense. And then if you're the Penguins and you see Dallas, you see Braden Holtby, you see Anton Hudobin. I think that those would also be two very viable options. Um, but beyond that, it's, it's so hit or miss because like, you know, it's too early in the, in the year to, and there's so much parody in the league right now to start the year where you can't really tell like who's going to sell and who's going to like be like a buyer or like a conservative buyer at the deadline. Yeah. I mean, it's still only, what are we a month fully in now? Uh, Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of these teams are going to wait till probably Christmas is when you'll see some panic trades or something like that. I mean, Vancouver, they still haven't even fired Jim Benning yet. So they haven't thrown in the towel. Once they do that, um, that's when you'll know they're, they're up for business. Um, seeing Yaroslav Halak in a Penguins uniform would just be both gross and I think hilarious uh, just because of what happened in 2010. <laughs> and then hilarious in the sense that every time, if he started against the Capitals, I want him to shut them out every time and then just have them rage just because of what happened in 2010 as well. So um, that, that would just be a total chaos kind of move. Braden Holtby, I think he's kind of washed at this point. I mean, I know mm -hmm. he played the Penguins well earlier this year, but I mean, Dallas has also struggled as well. I, I would prefer Kudobin, but overall, I do think they need to go out and get a backup. Uh, you can't start Jari every game, even though he's playing his butt off. Casey DeSmith has given up four more goals, I think, in seven of his last nine starts going back to last year. That's not going to cut it. Um, so they're going to have to figure something out. Um, maybe if Philip Limber gets healthy down in Wilkesbury, he can come up, but it's probably still a little early. Um, because he doesn't have a small sample. He doesn't have a large sample size yet at Wilkes-Barre. He's the starter, but um, he's had mainly pretty good games. But, you know, it's again, it's still early in his development. They're not going to rush him up here unless an injury happens. So, um, overall, I, I would like to see them go out and get a veteran at some point. And if they can go on a nice long winning streak at some point, Ron Hextall could reward the team with – honestly – if they're healthy, I don't really know if they need to do anything, which is funny because um, we usually haven't said that um, in recent years. I feel like this is the first time um, that I felt that probably since like 17 before Latang got um, the neck fusion. Um, you know, I mean, even after he got the neck fusion, you knew that they were going to get some sort of like defensive depth, but like, you know, you're normally throwing around names, you know, like you're throwing around big names that you think they need to go get. I mean, like last year, I feel like we were all throwing around Anthony Mantha, Ricard Raquel, guys like that. 
you know, but like right now, man, I think that, you know, um, I might, I might catch flack for saying this or people might say I'm crazy, but like in terms of, you know, talent and players that are, have lineup flexibility, this is probably one of the better teams the Penguins have had, in my opinion. Um, or at least it has the potential to be, um, you know, and just a comment, uh, you know, what else would be hilarious? Um, I know that Tuka Rask is still on the table to come back to the NHL. That would be, that would be nuts because I mean, Swayman and Olmark are doing all right. You know, I don't know. You know, obviously we got to see how they do like probably post Olympic break and all that. But like, um, I don't really think that him being needed in Boston is all the way there in a sense, at least for right now. Um, but, but yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. March is when he's expected back. And I think, Elliot was talking about in his blog last week that, you know, he only wants to play for Boston, but do, are they going to need him at that point is the question. Yeah. That's, that's the thing, you know? And I mean, you know, and my big thing is just like, if they, if they make a trade for a backup, part of me still wants them to keep Casey DeSmith in the organization and just like move like move out the Louis Domingue contract just to like get him out of the organizational depth chart in a sense, because I think if you put Casey DeSmith on waivers tomorrow, he would clear, um, you know, just because like nobody's taking on a backup goalie at 1.25 million. Um, in my opinion, at least in this, I mean, I'm not saying this is a joke, but like, seriously, I don't think you're taking on a $1.25 million backup goalie in this economy especially if you're like a, um, I, uh, you know, like a buyer or like a contender. Um, so I think that that's definitely on the table, you know? Um, but beyond that, what else, is there anything else that you guys want to touch on? Like anything else that you're thinking about? Yeah. Um, one thing I do want to kind of get into um, is what a, dumpster fire Vancouver's become I think that it's I, I really don't know where things kind of went wrong because I mean think like I'm trying to think like a couple like usually like I forget were they in the playoffs last year I'm trying to remember were they in it last year no no they, they made the bubble the year before and they, they did the pretty bubble. okay in the bubble they, to, like, they the took side. down St. Louis I should say yeah and they pushed Van and they pushed uh, Vegas to game seven I'm pretty sure if my memory serves me correct but like, I mean, where are things? What what's gone wrong there? When what is what's the? I mean, what just what are we thinking? Like happened there? Because obviously, the main obviously one of the main problems I'd say was uh, was Pedersen showing up late to camp. I mean, we've seen in the past guys who either you know hold out because of for whatever reason they don't show up they they don't they miss training camp and then they end up you know they're obviously missing a step or two whenever they're playing. So we've seen it with Nylander and Mitch Marner whenever they've missed time and now we're kind of seeing it with him he's not really living up to he wasn't really you know doing well so far but what are we thinking about Vancouver and just you know what what's got to change in order for them to get back on track because two years ago they weren't a bad team and now all of a sudden it's just like they fell off a cliff almost 
I'm looking at their depth chart right now. Um, you want the you want the short answer or the long answer? I think well, the short answer is the defense. The short one is just fire Jim Benning for the most part because he stinks. Um, yeah, they, I'm pretty sure Tyler Myers is still employed there, which is just ridiculous considering how bad that contract is. They actually got a decent trade with Arizona when I know they got Ekman Larson, but Connor Garland is not bad. They have a lot of really good pieces. I love Pedersen. Quinn Hughes is going to be on Team USA. I love Brock Besser. I love JT Miller. Um, I love Bo Horvat. You know, I, I, priority, I already said Brock Besser. Um, no, their top six is loaded. It's just, you know, Garland. After that, there's a whole pile of, I guess, meh. Um, I mean, Quinn Hughes can't really do it by himself on defense. It's just, and I'll eat my, I'll eat crow on that. I had them as a playoff team this year. I had them, I'm pretty sure, at fourth in the Pacific. Um, I actually had the Flames missing, so I'm going to get old takes exposed on that because the Flames have been ridiculous to start of this season. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's just too many bad moves, I think, throughout too many years. They they were handcuffed cap-wise a lot of those times just because Jim Benning decided to throw out money to, you know, Antoine Roussel, who we just traded. Brandon Sutter, I'm pretty sure, is still there. Jay Beagle, he threw out a lot of money to um, – trying to like think of all the other bad contracts that he signed but Louis Erickson Lou yeah Louis Erickson I'm pretty sure that was a seven times six if my memory serves it was nuts he just didn't know what he was doing and the fact that the ownership still hasn't even given him the door um that's not a that's a pretty passionate fan base out there and when you lose all of them um that's you're you're up a creek um that's for sure and it just stinks because they have so much high-end talent and they can't get the fringes of the roster right going back scotty to what, you, what did you say going back to what you said dougie about uh well first i said that you know or i think erickson and i think beagle's in arizona too now correct mm-hmm. both in arizona now so i mean out of one topic into another but now going back to like kind of like what hunter said about the oel i mean we always just all saw the video of him doing the bag skating training camp and he looked so sluggish and it's obviously transferred over to the season because he does not look good there whatsoever. So, I mean, Dougie, you touched on earlier about how their defense has just been pretty much anchoring them. Aside from Quinn Hughes, no one's really, you know, holding up their end, their, uh, their end of the bargain there on the back end for them. And I was also just another thing I want to add to, you know, I'm looking at this, like this roster and I mean, Hunter said it. They're loaded. They really are. It's the fact no one's consistently producing. I think, you know, Besser only has like eight points on the season. Pedersen, I think, only has a ten. You know, they're just not getting the points when they need to, and they're not getting the execution out of the players. That's why they're like towards the bottom of the Pacific. And if they are going to use that top heavy uh, six that they have, they got to get those guys to start producing there's no reason that Pedersen and Besser aren't leading your team JT Miller I think is right now <laughs> I mean it's a Stanley yeah, Cup win. they have Patrick Demko too who's one of the best goal probably one of the better goalies in the league and will be on Team USA as well and the fact that he hasn't been able to carry them to wins I mean that just goes to show how bad their depth is on both offense and defense go ahead Doug. Mm-hmm. yeah I mean 
this is a Stanley Cup winning top nine on paper. Um, I really don't understand how they're this bad. I mean, I'm going to read these lines off. Pearson, Horvat, Hoaglander, Garland, JT Miller, and then Vasily Petkolzin. And then their third lines, Jason Dickinson, Elias Pettersson, and Brock Besser. You know, and then, I mean, when they're, when they're healthy, their fourth lines, Tyler Mott, Brandon Sutter, Alex Chase on. Like, that's, in my opinion, on other teams, on a lot of other teams in the uh, league, that's a pretty good third line, um, let alone a fourth line. Um, it's just literally, it's the defense. I mean, it's Quinn Hughes and a bunch of sub replace. It's like a bunch of replacement level defensemen. I mean, Ekman Larson, I mean, he still has name value, but like how productive is he at this point, you know? And Tyler Myers is horrible. Tucker Pullman, I mean, not to be that guy, but I say the same thing about Justin Hall. I'd rather have Chad Weedle or Mark Friedman than Tucker Pullman. Um, And then Brad Hunt is a seventh defenseman anywhere else. And Kyle Burroughs is just kind of, he's just, he's, he's there. Like the dude just exists. I think he was in, yeah, he was in Colorado last year. He finally got into the league last year at age. That might be the um, worst defensive corpse I've ever seen outside of Quinn Hughes. Yeah. Um, yeah, like let's let's be completely honest. Like Quinn is not really good on the defensive side of the puck. Like he's very much just a one-dimensional offensive defenseman. And that's perfectly fine, but like you need the other pieces around him in order for that to work. I.e., look at Sam Gerard in Colorado. Like the only reason that Sam Gerard works there is because they're surrounding him with so many other competent defensemen where it's not an issue. Um, yeah, but they are, they're a mess for whatever reason. And, you know, I mean, so much of it's on Jim Benning, but like, not to be that guy, but like, who are you going to replace Jim Benning with? Like, you know, my biggest fear is they're going to fire Jim Benning and then hire Jim Rutherford, and it's going to be the same. Oh, no. Same thing. <laughs> oh, God. It's going to be the same thing. Dude, can you just imagine it? The uh, the lights go dark in the arena in Vancouver, and Jim Rutherford appears with Jack Johnson by his side. The team has been saved. Could you imagine? That would ha- that would be how it would go, <laughs> dude. That was that was like my favorite right part. That was my favorite part of the end of the uh, GMJR tenure. Here was like the amount of jokes that I could make with like just like the idea of Jim Rutherford cutting wrestling promos with Jack Johnson and Erica Branson. It was just <laughs> such great content. He, he I, I loved it. I love it. I loved it dearly. Um, his biggest, his his biggest, uh, I'm not, I'm not, his biggest F you, because I'm not going to say that word on live uh, podcast here, was just that Matheson trade and just, you know, saying that we lost salary, but he actually ended up gaining salary because he doesn't know math. 
That was the biggest F you to a team before he resigned. Like, I've, I've just never seen that before. I mean, dude, they could still use Hornquist, too. Like, yep. Just a trade. I mean, he'd be just a trade to make a trade is what that was. Like, you know, everybody talks about, like, I feel like everybody has that one trade that they wish that they could undo. I think for everybody in this Zoom call right now, that trade is the Patrick Hornquist for Mike Matheson trade. Because, I mean, Peyton knows it as well as anybody because he's the one who hears it the most. Like, I think I probably complain more about Mike Matheson than I ever did Jack Johnson or Eric Goodbrandt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is truly saying something because, you know, it's not that he's bad. It's just like, it reminds me a lot of Justin Schultz where, you know, the, the, it's the game is there, the styles there, but like, there's no poise to it. There's no polish, you know, like there were very, very small minor details that I feel like Justin Schultz didn't hit on, especially after he came back from the broken leg that caused the fallout in Pittsburgh to be the way that it was between um, him and the team, you know? Um, But, you know, outside of that, I think the team's perfectly fine. Um, the Team Canada Olympic jerseys just dropped. They are nice. They are very nice. Very clean. Very clean. Yeah, they're they're very nice. I'm going to retweet that out on the For Checking TV account here in two seconds and then, you know, well, go from there. Oh, yeah, these are these are pretty sweet. I, I, I saw it right before I saw that. Someone evolving the black hockey. ones. Oh, yeah. Those are nice. The you see the shoulder, the shoulder, like the detail. The red one is sharp. Oh man, mm-hmm. I like the red one. That's... Now, 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 Doug, are we are we getting some special news in a few days regarding jerseys? Are are we are we allowed to discuss that? I'm just gonna say, um, stay tuned later in the week for a potential jersey drop that piques all of our interests. Um, I will say the same. USA's dropping tomorrow too, allegedly. What'd you say? USA is dropping their jerseys tomorrow. USA is dropping their jerseys tomorrow too, and I hope they are not as garbage as the last few <laughs> tournaments that they've had. Penguins-wise, there should be something coming on Friday, but Good hopefully, day. hopefully that, that's correct. The, the 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 guy that we know he got the New Jersey ones right, Doug. Those were those were correct. So um, he's batting a pretty good percentage right now. And they are correct. Right. And they are horrible. They are bad. And they are bad. Awful, if, if, the, if the Penguins ones that are rumored, if they drop Friday, I will be spending a boatload of money on that thing. Yeah, like I need because like obviously I'm gonna get a Sid one and then need need that secondary player. Need that secondary player. I don't know who it's gonna be yet, but need that secondary player. But um yeah, honestly, like stay tuned. Um, they're coming. It's they're I've seen it. I'm it's not gonna say I've seen that it. everyone loves, and we need a certain someone to be in a video again. Yeah. It's coming. It's it's coming. It's, I just unplugged my mic <laughs> by accident. <laughs> 
but yeah, they're they're coming. They're gonna look great. Um, I think the biggest thing um, that we're all looking forward to is you know the fact that it's a jersey that we really haven't had before. Um, you know, it's something that we've all probably wanted but haven't gotten it. So that's going to be exciting. I'm, I'm very excited to, if, if everything the, that the little birdie said is right, um, these will be, there's no one that's going to hate them. That's for sure. They're going to be, they're going to be crispy. Um, you know, you might have some people cry and be like, where's the robo penguin? But, Soon, eventually, my child. Uh, we just had to get Mario out of the majority stake of the ocean. <laughs> yeah. um, the, that that I, I fully no. expect. What's up? So what was that? Well, that was the only reason he stuck around. He just didn't want to see the Robo Penguin make a comeback. So he, that would be that would be hilarious. <laughs> um. Yeah, but um. I really think we'll get a robo penguin by the time Sid retires. Um, I, because let's be real, they're running out of ideas. They, they locked out with the stadium series design, but um, beyond that, what really else is there to do? Because we know Sid's not going to do blue. So that's where we're at. But um, anyway, Anything else that you guys want to add? No? All right, guys. Well, this was another episode of 4Checking TV. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at 4Checking TV. Subscribe to us on YouTube and look for us wherever you get your podcasts from. Thank you, guys. Good night and have a happy Thanksgiving.